This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. go. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1202, entitled Sailor Megan Lives. Yes, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And and here we are with an episode that's podcast title is The Podditor. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm very keen to hear about this. Welcome back aboard, Megan. Thank you very much. I have very greatly missed the Triple R studio. Everything looks mostly the same. Is that the same sandwich that's sitting under that desk over there? Yes, <laughs> same mould. No. <laughs> but no, it's really nice to be back. Nice to be back in the studio. Nice to see you again. Looking to forward you. to talking some trash and <laughs> possible compliments, depending on what we're What we're, we're talking covering. about today. <laughs> and, and also, uh, welcome back to our podcaster, Joe Elsador, who's back and potting at the moment. We've, um, we're all up to date. Nice. That's so all good. Uh, we really left you <laughs> in the lurch for a bit there, didn't we? Well, my, my two I see at my other work was also away on holidays. So <laughs> it was like, oh, it's all gone. Bit and of a conspiracy. And then they shut the tram lines down on the number 96. Oh, so gosh. Like, oh, yeah, we can handle this. <laughs> you know, if it, if it bleeds, we can kill it, as they used to say in the Predator musical. And I've been doing a lot of bleeding because I've been watching The Predator. Yes. The reboot no one asked for, or did they? Yeah, they did, actually. Mm. But it's a strange franchise, very odd, and, and I thought I'd unpack a little bit of it uh, to start with, uh, and what have you been um, up to apart from... Uh, you can tell people what you were doing. Oh, I, yes. I didn't tell them. <laughs> so basically I just went and did a coding, I guess, uh, course, very intensive one. So it was for three months, very full on, all day, every day for three months. Um and it was a really wonderful experience, but obviously I was very focused during that time, hence my break from mm. the airwaves, um, which was both, you know, it was nice to have a, a break, I guess, every now and then. Um, but yeah, so I've been up to doing that, coding websites, learning languages, networking, all that business. Um, other than that, have been watching some content, went to the movies a few times, did catch some of Myth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked a little bit about that, though. I didn't see heaps of the genre content, which I was a bit disappointed by, but I did see some wonderful films there, so that was really good. Survived the winter. <laughs> I don't know. What else have I been did up you, to? Did you like Ant-Man too? You know what? I didn't get along to it. <gasps> I know, which is a travesty. That's oh how God. busy I was, Rob. That's so how busy. I was chained to my computer. I did make time to see Jurassic World and I was thinking about it this morning mm-hmm. and I was like, what did I think about that movie? And I don't even remember if I liked it or not. So I think that sort of is an like indication. I thought that there were some interesting ideas mm-hmm. in there. I don't think that I don't think anyone asked for those ideas to no. be part of a Jurassic franchise. I don't know why they didn't let Rafe Spall just have his normal accent. Why was he <laughs> American for no reason? I mean, look, Chris Pratt is great and I'm very into the fact that he is in everything because I like him, but I don't know, it was kind of the sequel that no one wanted. Yeah, and, and they've taken it into a place, 
it just doesn't really work for me and I'm thinking, I don't want to go there. Uh, but there wasn't, you know, the best um, shot in the whole film actually felt to me like they were finishing off the franchise when they, um, the dinosaurs on the, the docks mm. on Isla Nublar as... Um, the lava and things are exploding around and it's so sad. It was. I really felt quite moved um, by some parts of that. I mean, I never knew I would be so moved by an animatronic dinosaur, but I really <laughs> was. Some of those effects were good. I will give that to it, that mm. the the visuals were quite good and I do think that some of the set design, and I liked how they took it to, you know, a gothic mansion and it was all um, that kind of vibe. Yeah. But, I mean, I enjoyed it. I think... I think I enjoyed it, but then forgot about it. Hence, why I couldn't really dredge up my opinions when I was rethinking about it this morning. <laughs> well, speaking of franchises, I've been to see The Predator, mm. and this is actually—it's it's got such a, a complex backstory. Predator Number One, the movie, came out in 1987. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by John McTiernan, who went on to even bigger things. Not necessarily better. I think the first Predator movie is a fine little. Um, B-grade science fiction horror movie that walks like an A-grade one, essentially. Mm. JCVD, right? Mm. Mm. Directed by John McTiernan, uh, based on characters by Jim Thomas and John Thomas, with um, Shane Black doing some of the work on it as well, as uh, appearing in that original movie as a character called Hawkins. Huh. Doesn't last all that long, but uh, <laughs> that, that, that's all right. It was a, a memorable film. And you can tell I really liked it because I went and made my Predator costume years later after that. So <sighs> such nostalgia for me, 1987. And um, that was the film where originally Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to play the Predator monster ah. uh, because of his athleticism. Um, but it didn't work out and he got replaced by actor and mime artist Kevin Peter Hall playing Monster in the Stan Winston suit. In fact, they replaced the suit as well because they had one that didn't quite work in the jungle and all sorts of things. Interesting. In between that and the second Predator movie, Dark Horse comic books pitted their existing Aliens comic book franchise against Predator and you got Aliens versus Predator. Mm. And that spun off in its own direction so that you got comics where the Predators fought Batman, Judge Dredd, the Witchblade, the Terminator, Tarzan, the Justice League, and also Archie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Archie. Oh, yeah. no, I remember. Yes, yeah. Archie vs. Predator. Yes. Uh, then Predator 2 came out, the movie, 1990, which was actually set in 1997. Uh, the Danny, Danny Glover uh, was the replacement for Arnie in that one, not playing the same character, but. That's such a. Yeah, it was sure. a it was a weird choice at the time, yeah. but I actually appreciated the movie. Okay. Uh, Stephen Hopkins directed it, and the way they played it was the Predator was in uh, Los Angeles, and this future Los Angeles, the people were actually worse <laughs> yeah, than right. the Predators. Oh, so it was one of those, but the monster was humans after all, one yeah. of those. No, they didn't actually pull the head off and show, you know, the old <laughs> uncle under there and the Scooby gang and all that sort of stuff. Uh, an actor called Gary Boosie was in that one too, oh, yeah. in Predator 2. And that was, that's got some bearing upon the current movie. Uh, mm. Predators in 2010. Uh, and the new film is actually set before the events of that one. That was directed by Nim Nimrod Antal. Um, Robert Rodriguez was working on that as well. Okay. Uh, and the two Predator 
Alien spin-off movies, uh, AVP in 2004 by our resident evil Paul W.S. Anderson and AVP Requiem in 2007 was done by the brothers Strauss, Colin and Greg who I did Skyline. I think I saw that one. It's not one of the great ones. Actually, it came on, it was on television the other night because they, ah. they tend to throw movies on when a new movie is released. Yeah. And they got to the scene in um, AVP Requiem where the... Alien is pumping um, embryo eggs down the throat of the, the throats of the poor women in the maternity hospital. Ew. Yeah, I, it's just the most gross, horrible thing. And it just came on, and, and Gail, my, my partner, sat down next to me and so just started to watch it. And I just turned it off. I said, "You really do not want to watch this. It's just a terrible, terrible, Ugh. terrible thing." Where do people dream these things up? Oh, nightmares, I'm sure. So Shane Black has come along to direct this new movie. Um, <laughs> it's co-written by him and Fred Decker. So it's actually written by Black and Decker. And I thought that was <laughs> quite cool because there's a lot of moments in this film that remind me of misapplied power tools gone wrong. We know Shane Black, of course, from the original Predator movie uh, and also doing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And yes, that was a great film. And its sequel, Iron Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, of course, Shane Black was uh, instrumental in all of those Lethal Weapon movies. I used so. to love The Long Kiss Goodnight. And The Long... Yes, I, yes. That was such a good Gina Davis movie. I used to think about one day I was going to cut my hair really short and bleach <laughs> it and then be like a kick-ass assassin. What was the line about pain? Uh, you know, pain is life, get used to it. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I should rewatch that. <laughs> okay, so he's got some decent he, stuff in his basket. Yeah, So and he was there at the beginning, so you think he knows quite a bit about this one. Um it's a the the plot has a number of factions uh, that uh, enter into it, um, and it really, it the opening for the um, the 2010 Predators movie uh, had a guy um, parachuting down, and mm. his parachute opened, and it was like so full into it, and so is this this okay. blast straight into the action. There's a predator ship being hunted by a bigger predator ship. Um, I do like that. I like when movies don't pretend like they're going to be plot-driven or, you know... Well, they don't have to... Um, have a backstory. They've got, you know, six movies essentially telling you what these guys are. They're sports hunters, you know, mm. good old boys coming to Earth. Um, and before you know it, they're in a canoe going down a river. There's dueling banjos. No, no. Um, it warps through to Earth space and okay. it crashes. Um, there's a US Army Ranger sniper with a who hasn't got his estranged family along with him, but you just know he's going to get back with them at some stage. Yeah. Uh, an ad hoc team of crazy military types, quite literally. Mm. Uh, a shadowy government agency that wants to exploit the predator technology. And, of course, the predators themselves. And this time they've bought their dogs. So they've just kind of taken a bunch of tropes and thrown them at the wall to see which one kind mm. of sticks. Mm. And the Shane Black trope here is that it's set at Halloween, but not Christmas. Mm. <laughs> now... All uh, some of the other th tropes that run through this, um, uh, it's all an, it's an eighties film. I'm watching this thinking I'm yeah, watching okay. a really tooled up nineteen eighties film here with with uh, amazing special effects and yeah. CGI and uh, uh, and even more incredible predator costumes and and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And that kind of actually all works. Okay. And and I enjoyed the film. But afterwards I felt really but. guilty about it. Oh, really? 
Because some of these 80s tropes, they're really quite ugly. Yeah. You know. Like one of those problematic... Yeah, when you look at things in today's more woke lens, it doesn't quite... Yeah. But... And afterwards I'm thinking, oh, my God, I love this film and I shouldn't. (laughs) Did you really love it? Yeah. I mean, there are problems with it. Absolutely Mm. there are problems with it. But it moves so fast and the dialogue is so ridiculous and over the top and and referential to the original film. So it knows... It kind of yeah. isn't trying to be... I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm having a the meta pulled over my eyes, you yeah, know, like okay. I'm, I'm seeing this through like a, a, a predator mask with meta. <laughs> Is it kind it? of like a fan, like, you know, what a fan would write as a predator movie? Partly, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, there are other ways that they could go. It's mostly set in the suburbs mm. um, and that kind of works too, although I, I felt that the sense of place wasn't as entirely as good as it could be. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet. Zero, G comes last, Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. And we're hardly waiting here on Zero G with Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. So we've been talking about the new The Predator movie Mm. uh, and I wanted to just um, stop in and say that um, the guy who plays one of the Predators, at least the main one in this one, is Brian A. Prince, who was doing stunts in uh, the Black Panther movie and also in Captain America Civil War and The Walking Dead. And he is uh, a guy who does parkour. And that actually shows up in the um, the movements of the creature in this one. Oh, it does some leaps off of skateboard ramps or something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Tob Wood- Woodruff Jr. is one of the vast armies of um, uh, creature effects people who worked on this one. And he's um, somebody who's worked on this stuff before, a lot, a lot of before. So. I'm actually, I'm not, I'm more of an aliens girl. I don't really know much about Predator and I haven't seen any <laughs> of them. So I don't even know what is, is the creature from out of space or? Yes. Okay. They're, as I was saying before, they're sports hunters um, from other worlds and they like to come to Earth and other particular places to hunt the most dangerous game which is a reference to an old um, short story and a movie too Uh, basically man on earth but they also hunt the um the aliens yes well because they uh you know that's a challenge and does it how does it kill things like um it has a variety of ways to kill uh it can use spears that it can deploy, uh, wrist blades. Oh, um, okay. So it's got weapons. Plasma blasters. All right. Um, cool. Oh, so many different things. A spinning boomerang razor disc. Right. So with <laughs> weapons, it doesn't like rip out spines or whatever. It does that too. Okay. Because it cool. makes trophies of um, spines Ew. and skulls. All right. And actually in that, in, in that respect, they've actually extended the Predator... Um, universe, their cannon, so to speak, not their, not their plasma <laughs> cannon. Predator they, cannon. They've they've extended it um, in a, a fairly logical way, I thought, in this film, um, far better than they ever did with the aliens in the uh, mm. latest Ridley Scott movies. Well, I, they just should never have even tried to. No, they should do anything that. to that. Just but, but here they've actually done something that kind of makes sense, and okay. I thought, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, the uh, there are some fun callbacks yeah. to the original movies and so on. In fact, one which I won't give away because it was actually very funny. Um, they, they they do some really nice callbacks in there, including having um, uh, a, an actor Jake 
Boosie, who is Gary Boosie's son. Mm-hmm. And Gary Boosie played a character in Predator 2. Yeah. And his son is playing the son of that character love in it. this movie. It was I love a, a good, actually, it was you a good know, callback. Uh, genetic in-joke. Yes, yes. And it's funny because genetics are actually quite important in this. He <laughs> in this looks film. like Gary Busey. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought, what have they done here? Have they done some... You know, <laughs> the old Tron, you yeah, know, face, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, facelift, digital facelift. Uh, Boyd Holbrook plays Quinn McKenna, the um, the army ranger sniper. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen him before in Gone Girl, uh, Narcos, the Netflix series. Mm. Um, and he was the villain Donald Pierce in the Logan movie back in uh, 2017. He actually makes a pretty good fist at this role because, um, you know, he's competing with the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny Glover, who's got great screen presence too, mm. you know. So, but he's not, he's being an army ranger sniper, he's much more wiry and and, uh, and more sort of um, almost contained in the role, but also a bit, because he's um, contrasted with these other army and, and marine types mm. and so on who uh, are actually a lot more out there than him. They're, okay. they're quite strange people. Um, he, he, he fits in neatly with them. Uh, I thought he did a very good job in this film. Um, other people who I noticed going through the cast, um, uh, there's a, a young boy, Jacob Tremblay, who's playing uh, the sniper's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Shane Black we think talking about, you know, Iron Man 3, the kid in that. Mm. He's sort of playing that trope. And what was Iron Man 3's plot again? <laughs> I think I ma- blocked it out. The Mandarin attacked... Um, Oh, that's right. Tony. And that's right. There was also a, a, an extra plot as well. Yes, we, we, our, our opinions diverged on that one. Yeah, I loved <laughs> it. I, I just loved the audacity of the whole thing. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but uh, clearly it wasn't memorable to me. Go on, but sorry. The, but the boy, Jacob Tremblay, uh, he was in the um, post-apocalyptic comedy series The Last Man on Earth playing oh. the main character, Phil, when he was nice. a young boy. Uh, Olivia Munn yes. is in here. Um, she's in X-Men Apocalypse as Cyclops and also in the Dark Phoenix X-Men movie that's coming up. Nice. Same character. And she was in Iron Man 2 as well, playing a reporter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as um, all sorts of other stuff. She plays a, an evolutionary biologist. <laughs> <laughs> so she's actually key to the plot in, for all sorts of reasons. And she's all right too in this um, uh, an evolutionary evolutionary biologist who's obviously had a lot of field work and training, mm. you know, so he's sort of... <laughs> get into the action movie stuff. Um, Sterling K. Brown's playing the government agent. Um, he was in the Black Panther movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have um, Thomas Jane, who's uh, from The Mist and The Expanse. Um, Alfie Allen from Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yep. yep. What's he? Theon Greyjoy. He was Reek. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also um, Yvonne Strahovski, who is the sniper's ex-wife. From she's from The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, cool! Uh, you know, so there's a whole there's people, a lot of people in mm. flowing through this script who who really seem to be, uh, click into the yeah. They they come with their baggage and they're right there. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So that's good because they 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 don't get expanded too much beyond their sort of suicide squad kind of um, their intro, weird you know, camaraderie. Sure. You know, so they're, they're all there. It looks like Jake Boosie's going to be in Stranger Things season three as well. As well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so right. He was the scientist in that, wasn't he? It'll be. No, no. So he's not in it yet, but he will be in season three. Oh, okay. He's a new character. Oh, I'm thinking of um, Paul Reiser. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all yeah. aliens and predator and stuff. They're everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> um, to tell you the truth, this film does, The Predator, does feel, feel a little bit like Iron Man 3 in places. It's got a couple of the beats, mm-hmm. you know, the kid... Um, <laughs> some stuff that comes up in the film later on that I won't tell you about because I'll spoil it. But, hmm. you know, a lot of those sorts of things. Okay. They reshot the um, the ending after some audience... Uh, audience uh, testing. testing. And and I think it was a bit muddy. Does it, have you that. found what the old ending was online anywhere? No, not yet. I haven't checked that out. But they've re-edited it and reshot it okay. and all sorts of stuff. And I think that actually... Um, they lost a couple of um, things by too tightly editing it in a couple of places because mm. there was clearly a strand to do with the Predator's doggies that they sort of lost. Yeah, okay. And I, I thought I saw a flash of something that happened and I thought, oh, that should have been more highlighted. But here. they've obviously just edited it. It's been yeah, collateral damage it happens, in the edits. Yeah, there's a lot of collateral damage in this one. <laughs> it happened so quickly. Uh, yeah, so I think this this does make some fairly clumsy steps along the way. Mm. If you, you know, you might be really unsettled. Like there's a trope of the, 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 the young boy, he's autistic in the movie mm-hmm. uh, and they go for that old trope of because he's autistic, he's a genius yeah. at languages, you know, and I felt really uneasy about all that kind of stuff and there's there's considerable sexism in the dialogue and but... Mm. It's, it feels like that 80s film, you know? Yeah, okay. I don't know if that's an excuse. It hasn't really it. grown up. It hasn't really realised that it's in a different... No, but know. I think it does. I think they're actually making a meta point with that. You know, Shane Black's a pretty smart filmmaker and I think that's what they're actually pushing for. Okay. I don't know if that's where you want to go, but that's where they've gone. <laughs> and they even have like a, you know, side controversy as well. Oh, yes. Did you want to go into that? We don't have to. No, there was... Um, uh, I can't remember exactly what well, the details. Did you? I mean, I'm not. Recently? I'm not too sure. I haven't engaged with it very much, so I feel a little oh, okay. irresponsible mentioning it. But there okay. was some some controversy around one of the oh, actors registered, in it. A registered sex offender was hired as one of the actors who was going to pester the Olivia Munn character. Yeah, and they called that and they said, "Well, maybe we shouldn't want to do that." So they did actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, she sort of spoke out and then she's received a bit of backlash for that. And, you know, they've done all... I mean, it's very hard to tell whether, you know... Yeah. They've done all the right things since then, but I feel like, you know, it's been it's still been a lot of a mess. We've still got a long way to go with some of those things. And Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. Another disappointing event in Hollywood, but... Uh, the film is um, exceptionally violent ah. and gory. And what would you think of... Spine trophies and spine, stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And a lot of... Um, uh, chopping in half of bodies and all the bits spilling out. Oh, you know, cause, yeah. Because this is a predator, this is what they do. And is it, but is it done like kind in of... In the best possible taste? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like is it sort of um, relishing the goriness or is it is it just too much? A lot of it's done in quick cuts and okay. stuff, and but, you know, it's still very quick cuts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know how to... I'm, I'm really conflicted by this movie. Yeah. I, I, I don't know whether to say... You know, you got to have you got to have something wrong in your head if you like these predator movies, <laughs> and and I have liked them, so mm. I don't know if I'm actually the person to talk about this. I mean, I have I have been inside those masks with the helmet on, and, yeah. And do you feel like maybe you, you know, have a nostalgia? I mean, I should really watch it and see what I think. I think it's no nostalgia. nostalgic connection. Yeah. Also, coming at it from the perspective of someone who didn't like Iron Man three, <laughs> um, so you know, maybe I don't like his style, right? Yeah. Um. I think it's a. I think it's um, 
a decent Predator movie, but it's also an indecent one too. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the Predator franchise isn't trying to be Lord of the Rings either. And I think, you know, no. maybe it's just a good entry in a franchise that knows exactly where it sits. No. But, boy, they would really love hunting Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what about what kind of game are Hobbits? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Probably not a lot. No. Um, It's it's interesting. They they continue the code of honour that the the Predators have, which is they won't, generally won't attack you if you're um, unarmed. Mm. There have been some variations, particularly in Alien versus... Oh, no, no, even in that one, um, they still won't attack you if you're not... So it's like a fair fight-ish. Yeah, they they like a... Even though they're armed, with, they're like eight foot tall and they've got plasma weapons and stuff, <laughs> you know, they still kind of like to protect. Like they won't, they won't generally kill pregnant women. Yeah, because right. Because of the game laws that but they But just do have. that weird egg thing. Unless the pregnant woman's got an M16 and is shooting at them. <laughs> no, no, that the egg thing was from Aliens. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. the Predators were there to kind of stop that, you know, so... <laughs> Because actually, they, <laughs> the backstory is that, is that um, they actually distribute alien eggs. I was going to say that seems more like an alien thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I but they like actually that. seed planets with um, alien eggs as uh, as as game parts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. To like set up a challenge for later. Yeah, the very best alien versus predator story is the original comic book one. Yeah. Uh, which is a beautiful piece of work, and some of it's been adapted into the first AVP movie, quite inadequately in parts, but you know it's still <laughs> there. But really, that is, if you ever want to read a great aliens versus predator story, find that original dark mm. horse graphic novel, Aliens versus Predator, and it's just a, a piece of joy as a script as well. I've read the script for that. Okay. Never got made by itself, you know. Oh, well, nostalgia. You see that nostalgia yeah. thing? Well, now, okay, Iron Fist is um, on Netflix. There's 10 episodes in this season. Yes, season um, two. And the showrunner is new. Ah. The fight choreographer is new. Great. Um, we've had one season of Iron Fist already on Netflix uh, and the character of Iron Fist, Danny Rand, has appeared in the De- Defenders team up alongside Daredevil, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Yes. So we're now in the time post-Defenders mm-hmm. following Danny's journey. Raven Metzner is the new showrunner, a US-American screenwriter and producer who was one of the screenplay writers on the Elektra movie in 2005. Oh. 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 (laughs) But they're many hands. Sure. Many hands? Maybe maybe they wrote a good version and then it got ripped apart by the studio. Yeah, there was lots of things with that. But he actually wrote a a character called um, Typhoid Mary in that Elektra movie. That was one of his favourite characters. Oh, I see. All right. So you give me a little breadcrumb here as to mm, that's, some Iron Fist. That's just her um, character name in the um, Iron Fist comic books. which of co- And, of course, ah. Iron Fist is based upon Marvel comics from the 1970s. Yes. Um, they've pulled in – it was the original <laughs> martial arts uh, white um, saviour trope where yeah. he goes off and learns this yeah. in the mystical Asian kingdom of Kong Lung. You know, huh. um, yeah, <laughs> we all know that. Uh, this showrunner, uh, Raven Metz, isn't it a great name? Raven. Mm. Raven has been the showrunner for Six Degrees mm-hmm. and a show called Clue. Both of those. A show called Clue? Yeah. Both of those, which were. Um, Tell me it has to do with murder. Yes, of course. <gasps> it was the board game. <gasps> what? 
Yeah, where an ensemble cast had to figure out a mystery. So wait, a TV series, TV series, not the movie that's my favorite thing in the world. No, you mean the Michael Michael Caine one and. Uh, and um, no, it's um, Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yes. Um, okay, I'm looking this up now. I'm thinking of um, yeah, I'm thinking of another one with Christopher. Uh, Christopher Reeve? No, not Christopher. Oh, no, you're no. thinking of Noises Off. That's what you're thinking of. No, actually, I'm thinking of another one. It doesn't but matter. Anyway, don't leave all that aside because we're getting way too. <laughs> we're getting off track. We're getting off. Uh, he, the showrunner of Six Degrees, where six residents of New York, um, we examine their relationships and connections. Six Degrees of Separations, etc. Um, and both of those shows, I feel, are relevant to uh, Iron Fist, which is a very <laughs> Which is a very ensemble cast now. Yeah. Much more so than in the first season. But actually, I suppose it was then, but they've really pushed that, that aspect up. He also worked on Falling Skies, Sleepy Hollow and Heroes Reborn, which is probably another relevant one. Oh, interesting. Mm. I was very into the Heroes, Heroes part. So that. he's... Um, uh, we, we're set up after the offence of the Defenders. Uh, and if you recall that uh, Danny Rand promised that he would protect New York City, mm-hmm. even though it's the headquarters of, you know, even though, you know, like the Avengers and Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and he's else. very lame. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, that oh, no, I won't unpack that. Um, <laughs> and so the uh, the showrunner wanted to um, have a look more at the mythology of Kunlun yes. uh, and also... Um, this time around, they named each episode um, after the issue title of um, comics that Danny Rand has been in. So, you know, first the first season round, they named them after um, Shaolin Kung Fu sequences. This time, they've named them after comics. So, you know, okay. um, we open up with uh, Danny is now living with uh, Colleen Wing. Yes, even yeah. though she's too good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've missed that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that witty byplay. Just interjecting with my opinion. That's Sorry, so cool. Go that's on, a, go that's on. a good point. Um, <laughs> the Golden Tigers and the Hatchet Gang. Mm. We're talking triads. You mm. know, um, there's a, a street gang of um, younger kids who want to be like those bigger oh, gangs. Bless them. Bless they should them. just be at school. Um, so that's one big faction. We've got. Uh, they are. They're at the school for crime. <laughs> we've got the streets. <laughs> we've got Danny's childhood friends who later become um, were put in charge of Rand Enterprises mm-hmm, while Danny mm-hmm. was busy swanning off in Asia. Yes, uh, Ward <laughs> and Joy Meacham, mm-hmm. um, a new well, not a new character because we've sort of seen him before. Davos, yes. uh, Danny's brother in martial arts, mm. one of the known survivors of the fall of Kunlun. Yes, very intense character. And we have our other players, uh, regular players, uh, Colleen Wing, Misty Knight and Turk. Remember Turk? Who's in all of the other shows. He's the, the guy who sells weapons and guns and stuff in, in a van by the river. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good so. for him. Got to make a living. And a new character, as I was saying, um, Typhoid Mary, um, uh, which... Uh, so from the comics. Yeah, from the comics, okay. definitely. Uh, Finn Jones, of course, plays uh, Dan- Danny Rand. Jessica Henwick is Colleen Wink. Now, one of the things they've done um, in this case, uh, they've given Finn Jones a whole lot more time to practice the martial arts, tr- mm. do the training. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the backstory of the first Iron Fist, he hardly got any time to train at all. Yeah. Which makes me say they miscast the guy. Neither his fighting nor his acting. Mm. Well, they miscast him for the um, the fighting, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think that is unfair to send someone in ill prepared, and if you if it's a physical thing that you're doing, not having enough time to mm. you know buff up. 
This time, I think they've done a hell. Of, he's done a hell of a lot of really hard training, and he moves and and follows through and all that sort of stuff uh, a lot better. Okay. And the fight choreography is is so much better than the first one, and we can see it all this time. They they give him a definite style. Yes. Um, and, and it's just great. And, of course, Colleen Wing, uh, the actress who plays her, Jessica Henwick, she's great too Exactly, Because it's a show about, I mean, it centres around martial arts. It's their thing. It's You've really got to have a strong core and mm. at least they've tried to do that now. Uh, the guy who plays Davos, Sasha Dewan, is a British actor who was in um, Weird Sister College and also a post-apocalyptic series called The Last Train. He also appeared as um, a former Doctor Who director, uh, Waris Hussain, in An Adventure in Space and Time, which what they did as a, a, a retro docudrama to celebrate the 50th Doctor Who uh, anniversary. And he's also played the character that he plays in... Iron Fist, Davos, or the Steel Serpent, which we I don't think we actually hear that. Oh, we might have. No, I haven't heard that said. In the Lego Marvel Superheroes number two, he does the voice for that. Oh. that game. <laughs> so he's there. Uh, and Simone Missick is there. Simone Missick is there again as Misty Knight. She is great. Yeah. She really nails it. She has the funniest cynical smile. I haven't come come onto any of the episodes yet, so I'm only a couple in. And but you've watched them all, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Alice Eve plays Mary Mary Walker. Yeah, um, what's she from? She does look really familiar. Was she... Star Trek Into Darkness. She played Dr. Carol Marcus. Ah. She was in uh, Men in Black 3. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in Nosedive, an episode of uh, Black Mirror. That's what she's from. And I didn't know this, but she has um, heterochromia, which is a condition that causes her eyes to have irises of different colours. Hmm. I don't know if you uh, people that have that. Left eye is blue and her right eye is green, which actually really works with her character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are certain elements of that. Symbolism. Symbolism. Clayton Barber is our new fight choreographer and he worked on, um, uh, he did Black Panther, which has yeah. great See, fight choreography. Yeah. And he also coaches the US national team in taekwondo. Oh, okay. So he's got the chops. Oh, he, he has so much chops and kicks and uh, and, and turns. And, it's a lot better. And uh, they know that's what people are partly here for, he, good fighting. He worked on Jessica Jones, Altered Carbon, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., when he was just a stuntman, uh, Angel and Buffy. <gasps> Blade oh. 2, he was a fight choreographer, okay. Star Trek Voyager. He's done so much. So he's a much. pretty big get. So they've yeah. obviously... Um, Thought this through. And I think it shows in, in all of the action in here. Um, and uh, it, it, I, I think that the trick on this one, um, which I thought, found really hilarious, mm. is that they actually double down on the white saviour trope. Mm. So we really see how rubbish Danny is at trying to carry out his promise to Matt to keep the peace. He's so crap. Yeah. <laughs> He's just the worst. But they've taken that on board in this season. I yeah. really feel like they've concentrated on that. And so, in a way, they've actually pushed him into... They haven't benched him or anything, mm. but they've actually, in this series, as you'll see as you, as you advance through it, they've pushed forward Misty and Colleen, yeah. who in the comics are the daughters of the dragon, um, sort mm. of uh, a team-up. Yeah. Um, and also given a lot of stuff to Joy and Ward Meacham. Yeah, okay. To develop their characters as much as any of the secondary characters got in um, uh, Jessica Jones or, yeah. or the other series. So they've really pushed up the ensemble here. Yeah. And that was a really good idea. I think yeah. that's that's pushed it all into a, an area that they needed to do because um, 
you know, the Luke Cage series has that whole African-American uh, culture feel yeah. to it. This one I felt um, uh, gives us more of a feeling for, okay, for Asian gang culture in New York City. Uh, but also they, they rope in some of the community as well. They try to do a bit of a, you know, the Chinese or, you know, the community in Chinatown and that type of thing. And yeah. I do... I do like that idea that obviously each of these different series showcase a different part of New York and really try to have that neighbourhood feeling like yeah. Hell's Kitchen um, uh, and, and you know, so kind Harlem, of... Yeah. yeah, spotlighting those different areas and making that kind of a feature character. And yes. Iron Fist, I think, is a missed opportunity because you can also... I mean, it would be good to have a bit of the rich side of things and showcasing some of the, you know corruption and whatnot, and I think that it hasn't really done that very well. Well... Nor has it done much well. I just feel like New York is a gang city, basically. You know, you've got the ones yeah. in, in, in Matt's area, you, you know, the, the kingpin and his... Kingpin, uh, kingpin and his lot. Um, you know, the whole Harlem thing, which Luke is now in charge of, mm. basically, in his series. And it's, it's just this one big sort of... Uh, and I would give, I actually would give a lot to see Spider-Man swing by at one yeah. stage, just in the distance, or, or Tony fly overhead, you know? Just something. Give just, us, just, you know. Just a little bit of that. So they do actually reference Sokovia in oh, this one. Okay. Um, for some reasons that will become apparent once you've watched it. Uh, they really, there, there is a twist, I'll tell you now, but I won't tell you what it is, a twist in the story later on that reflects a current trend in the Marvel Comics universe. Oh. but not the cinematic one, and okay. more power to them. I thought this was a good twist. Everyone gets drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, there's no shawarma involved in this one or anything, you know. There's no going out to get sh- Actually, there is. <laughs> remarkably, <laughs> there's a f- there is a fight in a community centre, and mm. remarkably there is there are no trestle tables laden with donated goods demolished in the production of this fight, which I thought was a really, because I'm sitting there thinking, they're going to knock all that over, and not a, nothing gets touched. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> they really like their camera chromatic prism shots. Not quite lens flares. Well, some of them are, but um, uh, there's one where the camera pans across in half daylight and you get this smear of, of prismatic colour. Mm, they do okay. a lot of that in this, yeah. this show. Well, because as we've talked about before, they all have their own that colour palette stuff going on. Yeah. And the colour palette for Iron Fist is that kind of greeny, yellow, golden colours. Yeah. Whereas Luke Cage is more of a brown, golden, and Jessica Jones obviously like purples and blues and daredevils like your reds and greys or whatever. So maybe that's part of it. They're really trying to amp up, make it its own look, make it have a proper soul inside it instead of being a dead and empty thing. (laughs) And and they actually have done quite a bit to plug it into the comics. Yeah. uh, To pull stuff out of that. And I am at a disadvantage here because I've never really followed the Iron Fist comics. No, me neither. Um, I've encountered him in company with his... partner in, in crime-fighting Heroes for Hire, Luke Cage. So I know them from that. I find it such an odd premise for a comic. Like, I know that that's something that... You had to be there in the 70s. Um, Waxia movies were, were pretty big in the grindhouse circuit, so there's a lot of Jackie Chan movies and Hong Kong action flicks. But why is he white? Because that's the way they did it. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you needed a, a plug-in sort of thing. In fact, Colleen... Wing actually looks a lot less Asian in the comic books than she does. She's half mm. uh, Japanese, I think, yeah, half Japanese because she's, like, got samurai training and stuff. Um, and she's got red hair, oh. you know, so she's quite 
it's not quite as as full on. And 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 I actually think it's great that they've they've gone there with this one. Yeah, I mean this, that's a whole other conversation. It is. Yeah. There's we've yeah. we've ha- been through that one before. <laughs> uh, all right, um, and I think actually they handle. Some, I can't tell you about the stuff that they yeah, do later because of the twist or whatever. But it's really good. Okay. <laughs> I thought overall, because I've seen the 10 episodes mm-hmm. of, of Iron Fist, I thought overall it is a pretty good kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've elevated the series a great deal from where it was yes. w- w- when last we saw New it. New showrunner, refreshed everything, good move. I, I felt the 10 episodes actually was a good uh, a good size for the series. Uh, how are you going on with the three episodes you've seen? I mean, I don't... I mean, it's fine. That's kind of my my vibe on it at the moment. I, it's engaging enough. I, I will go and continue watching it. I mean, I'm also unemployed, so, you know. <laughs> but um, so I will continue watching it, not necessarily out of needing to see what happens, but I'm interested enough. Um, Follow Colleen's story and Misty's. Yeah, and I they, do they like... Are the, they, are, they are great in this series. I have noticed that they've started to feature more. Because the thing is, I don't like Danny Rand's character. Yeah. And I didn't like... Obviously, the first season was very much focused around things that I wasn't very interested in. And so, if they're putting more weight into some of the other characters... A lot. Um, then I'm definitely... I'll continue it. So, we'll see. And I am kind of... I enjoyed The Defenders, so it would be nice to keep up to date with the timeline as well mm. um, in preparation for, you know, some more Daredevil and things like that. So Yeah, well, you know, well, Matt's still sort of technically dead. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, sort of just be like one season of <laughs> the others yeah, exactly. trotting around. But, well, yeah, so... Yeah, so I, I, I'm impressed. Look, there is, there is only failure if you fail to learn from your mistakes. And I think they have. And I think they have, yeah. All right, so um, not really sure what we're going to do next week. Yeah, we'll, I mean... We'll sort ourselves out when we get there. Something, something <laughs> genre. <laughs> There's, there is an avalanche of it out there. Mm. Joe Benatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And it's great to have you back, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.